welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good morning. Good to see each one here today. Be able to uh, worship the Lord together. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 26. We've been working our way uh, through this book, and this morning we've come to chapter 26. And we see from the title this morning, I Will Be With You. That's a, those are great words, aren't they, when you think about it? Um, Many, many occasions where it's comforting and encouraging to know that someone's with us. But when God says he'll be with us, that's, uh, that's something else, isn't it? Well, we're going to see in our, in our chapter this morning, in the life of Isaac, that uh, that's the very promise that God <clears throat> made to him. We see Isaac here in this chapter, he's facing many of the same struggles and uh, problems that uh, his father Abraham did. He's in the, excuse me, he's in the same land. He's among some of the same people groups uh, that his father faced. He's, he's going to face uh, some of the same experiences, the same kind of trials and troubles that would uh, test his faith as it did for Abraham. And uh, we see also in this chapter the promise, the the Abrahamic covenant, the promise that uh, God had made to Abraham about the land and uh, the the people that would be a nation uh, from him and also the fact that uh, all the, the nations of the earth would uh, be blessed because of the, the, the offspring that would come from him uh, and the nation that, would, uh, that God would bless to be a multitude. And so he, he repeats this promise to Isaac. But uh, as you think about Isaac's life and the record that we have of Isaac, uh, other than the fact that uh, uh, he is, you know, the recipient of he would carry forth, let's say it that way, this blessing. Otherwise, Isaac is he's a rather ordinary person. He has a rather ordinary life. Uh, we have multiple chapters on Abraham, and then later multiple chapters on Isaac and what happens with him. But really, this is the only chapter that, uh, that f- focuses on Isaac and what, what happened with Isaac. And so although he uh, had this miraculous birth and uh, we have the the event there on on Mount Moriah where Abraham uh, takes him to be sacrificed and we see God providing a a substitute, Isaac's life is rather ordinary. And uh, someone had, uh, had said that Isaac was the ordinary son of a famous father and the ordinary father of a famous son. <laughs> well, I think most of us can identify with Isaac because most of us have ordinary lives. 
and uh, we are ordinary people. And you know, when we die, there's no one going to come, you know, trying to write a, a biography about us, probably, you know, or wanting, you know, wanting to make a movie from our life or anything like that. So we we're just ordinary people, and and we often struggle in our weakness. We struggle to live out the truths of who we are in Christ. But by the grace of God, um, we are able to live in His strength, in His power in his grace that he has blessed us with. Well, let's read beginning here in chapter 26, and I'm going to break it up, and we'll take a section at a time because I want to work work through uh, this chapter this morning uh, together. And so let's begin there in verse 1, and uh, we'll read there from verse 1 down through verse 5. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. Now, as you begin reading this, and you, you may think that you've lost your place in, in, your, in your Bible and it, because it sounds a lot like something you read just uh, not long ago. And in fact, back in chapter 20, we see a very similar thing happen to Abraham, and uh, almost identical in many ways. And this uh, uh, event of the famine had also happened earlier when uh, Moses went down to, um, uh, to Egypt. And we see uh, Isaac here in a very similar situation. But you'll notice there that uh, Moses, as he writes this record, he points out that it's not the same. He's talking about the famine, besides the former famines, uh, famine that was in the days of Abraham. And so he's making the point here that although this same kind of event happened, uh, it's not the same. And it's happening this time with Isaac. And also, we see this king Abimelech, a king of the Philistines. Uh, that's the same a king, or the same name at least, uh, that Abraham had dealings with back in chapter 20. And it's uh, been estimated about 80 years have taken place since um, chapter 20. Uh, and so s- some have uh, thought that this is Abimelech could very well be a, a dynastic uh, name, you know, like like the pharaohs, you know, they... They were called pharaohs, different ones that would come would still be a pharaoh. Well, that's possible here with this king of the the Philistines. But as you consider how long people were living, even still at this time, it's very possible that this is still the same man, just much older now, uh, and he's dealing with uh, Isaac. And there is some things in the chapter that seem to support that idea, as I read it, that it's very possible that it's the same man, or at least if it's a son or a grandson, he is very well aware of what happened earlier with Abraham. So let's continue reading there in verse 2. It says, The Lord appeared to him, to Isaac, and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands 
and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commands, my statutes, and my laws. Well, we see this, uh, <clears throat> this commitment from God, this promise from God that I will be with you. And, and just like with um, uh, Abraham, Isaac uh, receives, is the recipient of this promise but we see in the very beginning of the chapter here, there's a problem, and it's a famine, and no doubt related to um, a drought is usually the, the case in a land like Israel that is very dependent on, on the rainfall. And uh, just like with Abraham, Isaac is really forced to leave where he's at and to, and to head down to Egypt, try to find water. Egypt had the Nile River, so they were less dependent on rain. And uh, in, in, in a land like that, as a nomadic people, if, you're, if, you, if you don't get rain, you very quickly run out of anything to eat. <laughs> and so Isaac is on his way down to Egypt when the Lord appears to him. <clears throat> he reassures him that he is the, uh, to carry forth this um, promise of God that, that he had made to Abraham. And he is challenging Isaac to walk in faith in obedience to the Lord, just like his father had done. And if you notice there in verse 5, he, he, talks, he uses language that Moses will later use in referencing uh, the commands of God uh, that were given on Mount Sinai, and many many you know generations later would use the same kind of language to talk about the commands of God. He he says the keep my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Well, Moses didn't have that same written code or the same commands that God had given, but he had his own set that God had. Uh, verbalized to him, things that he told Abraham to do. And the point that I believe that Moses is making as he writes, and as the children of Israel are, are receiving this word, Mo Moses is, you know, obviously God through Moses is, is telling them, be an obedient people, be a people of, of obedient faith. And, uh, and, he, and he goes back to Abraham and to show that Abraham had that kind of faith. And as we studied Abraham, we saw Abraham was a man of flesh just like we are. Had his problems, his doubtings and troubles. But his life was um, a testimony that he believed God and he obeyed God. And so uh, the challenge here is to, is to Isaac that he would be that, that kind of man. And God says, I will be with you, and I will bless you. And so I want us to think there for a little bit this morning about the blessing of God and the presence of God with us. Uh, when we think about the, the presence of God, 
we know from Scripture that God is uh, he, he's omnipresent. Omnipresent. In the Afrikaans, the alom teen bordechet. It's like this long word, you know. It's like alom teen bordechet. You know, God is God is with us. He is everywhere, present. Uh, I want to read a, a little section from A.W. Tozer <clears throat> that says it really well. He says, We should never think of God as being spatially near or remote, for He is not here or there, but carries here and there in His heart. Space is not infinite as some have thought, only God is infinite. And in his infinitude, he swallows up all space. Those are big, big thoughts for this morning, aren't they? But that's, that's who our God is. And he quotes Jeremiah 25, verse 23, where the prophet writes, speaking, uh, God speaking, Do I not feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord? And, and, and Tozer continues, He feels heaven and earth as the ocean fills the bucket that is submerged in it. And as the ocean surrounds the bucket, so does God the universe he feels. And then, and then he uh, quotes from 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 6. And, and that's where um, Solomon is preparing to build the temple. And he writes, But who is able to build him a house since heaven and earth even, he, uh, sorry, since heaven, even highest heaven cannot contain him. Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? And then Tozer concludes, God is not contained, he contains. <laughs> well, I could, we could add to that uh, this well-known psalm, Psalm 139, and in a part there that really speaks to this uh, presence of God, he says, "When, where, where shall I go?" He, he asks the rhetorical question, "Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, in other words, the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me." Uh, I, I want to quote a, a little section from Kent Hughes in his commentary in, on Genesis. He writes, All of God was present wherever David would go, not merely some aspect of God. God is present with his whole being everywhere. A classic expression of God's all presence is God does not have any size or spatial dimension and is present at every part of space with his whole being. And then he continues, and yet God acts differently in different places. In respect to his people, while all of God is spatially present everywhere, he is specially present with his children. Indeed, he is with them and in them. Uh, end of quote. So, when God tells Isaac that he is going to be with him, he's speaking about this special presence of God with him to bless him. 
And, and, and so it is with, um, with us. Uh, when God is with us, he's with us in this special way uh, to help us and to enable us and to bless us. Uh, you know, as Isaac um, Received this promise from God, it must have been a, a very special occasion for him. He had no doubt heard uh, from his father about how God appeared to him in various ways and uh, reassured him and, and spoke promises to him. But now the Lord has come to Isaac and appeared to him and, and, and giving him the same promises that he had his, his father. Uh, Abraham, and to know that God has now committed himself to be with Isaac and to to bless him, uh, that would have been um, very special to have that kind of promise from God. But if Isaac wanted to reap the blessings of this covenant relationship with God, he, like his father Abraham, must have an obedient faith. God tells him, he says, do not go down to Egypt, dwell in the land of which I shall tell you, sojourn in this land. Well, this is a great test for Abraham and his willingness to obey God. Isaac, I'm sorry, it's a great test for Isaac in his willingness to trust God. He's already on his way down to Egypt. The path led to Gar. It's a good place to stop off and rest. And then, no doubt, he's on his way because uh, God tells him to not go down to Egypt. So he must have been going down to Egypt. Well, now God comes to him and says, don't go. Stay. Stay in the land. But the problem is the land is, uh, is not really inhabitable for very long. And it's, it's not just Abraham <clears throat> that he has to think about. He's got his family. He's got all these servants, uh, a, a large group at this time already, uh, like with Abraham. And, uh, and so he has to be thinking uh, about, uh, well, am I really going to trust God? Can I really believe God will take care of us? And so God had put him in a situation where he had to come to this um, this decision, am I, going to be, am I going to trust God, really, with my life, with the life of the people around me? And we have the answer to that in verse 6, very simply, so Isaac settled in Gar. And so he stayed there. As God had told him to not go down to Egypt, he obeyed God and listened to him. And uh, the Lord as we will see, blessed him because of that obedience. And as believers in Christ, we also have this promise, don't we, that God is with us. He's, he dwells with us in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. If you remember in John 14 where Jesus is with his disciples and he says that he's going to send the Comforter and that he would be not only with them but in them, dwelling in them. And, and later, and Jesus is with his disciples. He's getting ready to, uh, to be ascended back to the Father. And he, 
He gives them what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And at the end of that command, he says, I will, he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that is, that is a promise to us as his children. And as we walk in a, obedience of faith, uh, we put ourselves in the place of God's uh, blessing. Uh, we, we are able to walk in fellowship with the Lord and know his presence with us. We use, we use the term uh, the a means of grace or the means of grace that God is, has provided for us. We, we, we talk about uh, things like the word of God. And the people of God, the, the local church. Uh, you can think about prayer and, and preaching and the teaching of the word, the corporate singing of God's word. All of these things God has, has given to us as means by which God can bless us. And for Isaac, the physical place of the land of Canaan was a place of God's blessing. And although... It really was um, not the easiest place. He could have found some easier places to live. Less uh, enemies, uh, less problems. But it's, although there was difficulty, it was the place that God wanted him to be in. It was a place where God would bless him. And sometimes God puts us in specific places as well. Places where he wants to bless us. But sometimes they're not very comfortable places. Sometimes they're difficult or trials and troubles. And if we're not careful, we will flee from the troubles and flee right out of the place where God wants to bless us. And so what I'm saying is we must be careful and consider the spiritual ramifications of our decisions. Uh, many times I have uh, talked to people that... Uh, are moving somewhere because of their work, because of the troubles they're facing, and they're just, uh, they're leaving, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, one of the things that's troubling is they have not even given thought to the spiritual ramifications of their move. They haven't uh, thought about a church. They, if there's a place where the Word of God is preached, they, they haven't thought about uh, what kind of impact it will have spiritually upon their life. And, and so uh, Christ, he must take that first place in our thinking. What does God want? Does, does it matter to God if I move or if I take a new job or if I, if I um, uh, you know, marry this person or not? Or, you know, whatever life's decisions we're making, we better be careful that we're letting God direct us and inform us and checking our, our heart attitude to make sure that we really are pursuing what God wants for us. Because oftentimes God has put us in difficult places for a reason, for our purpose, to bless us. Just as he, as he did with uh, Abraham and Isaac. Well, another thing that we see here in the following verses is, is this difficulty. The difficulty in the place of God's presence. Uh, many times <clears throat> the assumption is made 
that if you're in the place of God's presence, you won't have any troubles. <laughs> Isn't that kind of what we just think sometimes? That if I'm in God's will, then you know everything's going to be going well. But, but God in His sovereignty works in our lives to um, sometimes... Uh, uh, bring trials and troubles into our life for a purpose. And there's many believers who ha- have become discouraged and disillusioned in their Christian life because they have false expectations of God and they have a false expectations of the Christian life. And, uh, and, and many times you see those people, they're, they're, like, um, they're like wreckage along the side of the road. You know, after, after a car breaks down and and, and someone just pulls it over and leaves it on the side of the road. So, sometimes you find Christians like that. And, and many times it's, be, it's simply because they, they have been misled or they've not understood that God many times brings troubles into their life for their good, for their blessing, for their direction. Well, we don't know how long Isaac was in Gar. After this, after this time, in beginning of verse seven, but at some point, Isaac is faced with another test of his faith, and this test gripped his heart with fear. Have you ever had anything like that happen to you? That just there was a sudden fear came over you. It may not, it may not even been real. Uh, you know, something that we really should fear, but uh, many times just our thoughts about what could happen causes us to fear. And then sometimes there's very real things that cause us to fear. But in Isaac's fear, he forgets about the promise of God, that God would be with him and God would bless him. And in his fear, his flesh takes control. Uh, And in his... In his fear, he lies to protect himself, and he puts his wife in danger. And so out of this you know, emotion of fear, Isaac just puts himself first and does what the flesh wants to do. And I'm sure none of us have ever done that before. <laughs> you know, we, we can relate to Isaac, can't we? And we remember that Abraham did the same thing on two different occasions. He did the same thing. But here, Isaac uh, is doing the same thing. Let's read a little bit further here from verse 7. And when the men of the place, they're among the the Philistines, or the the group of people that would later become the enemies of Israel, the Philistines. This is an early group. Uh, of them, and he says that uh, when those men asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was, an, was attractive in appearance. And when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of uh, a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. And Moses, he writes here, he, he uses this word laughing as a bit of a play on Isaac's name. If you remember, Isaac means laughter. <clears throat> and uh, so he, 
Of course, laughter, like is in our language, it has various shades of meaning. And here, the idea is more of sporting or flirting with Rebecca. And, and whatever he's doing, it's obvious to King Abimelech that this is not his sister. <laughs> Notice what he, what he says in verse 9. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she, uh, behold, she is... Uh, sorry. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you should have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Well, by that statement, uh, you, you see Abimelech aware of the danger that they were in because of, uh, of, of Rebecca uh, being his wife. And it, it leads me to think that this is very possibly the same man who received a revelation from God back when this happened with Abraham he says, you're a dead man. Do you remember, you remember reading about that? He tells him, you're a dead man because, because you took his wife. And, 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 and Abimelech says, well, I didn't know <laughs> who she was. He said, she's my sister. Well, Isaac's done a very similar thing here. And now Abimelech is reproaching Isaac for his deception. Well, <clears throat> we we think about Isaac, and after reading the first, you know, five verses there in the chapter, and God's coming to him and making these promises to him, we we kind of expect more from Isaac, don't we? We kind of look at this story and think, Isaac, how could you do that? You know, what's wrong with you? He falls back into the old uh, sinful pattern of his father. And just as a footnote there, it's a pretty sobering thing to think about how much we impact our children by what we do or what we don't do. And in fact, as far as that goes, it's not just our children that we impact. We impact others around us that are that are looking at us and seeing how we handle life and what we do when things get difficult and when we're afraid, how do we act? And when things are good, how do, how do we act? And uh, we see Isaac here uh, who before had demonstrated great courage and obedience to God and staying there in the land and not fleeing down to Egypt. But now in this moment of testing, he's... Um, He's given up his testimony, really. He's, he's lied about, uh, uh, about Rebekah to protect himself. And he's really brought, brought shame upon himself and upon the name of God. But it didn't happen immediately. Uh, verse 8 says, for a long time. <laughs> we don't know how long a long time was in that context, but it must have been 
quite a long time, and long enough for Isaac probably to, to have gotten comfortable with his deception. And uh, it become rather easy for him to, uh, to lie about that. And that's a bad place to be in, if you think about it. Uh, it's, it's a place where you're out of fellowship with God. And you and I can, can, um, can live in that place if we're not careful. We can begin to tell ourselves lies about, well, this is not too bad, or I, it, this thing won't hurt me or won't bother me, or, uh, well, that person did this, so therefore I'm justified in doing what I did. You know, we, we, we have this ability to defend ourselves and to um, convince ourselves that sin is not so bad because it's happened to us, you see. And so there's a real danger of becoming comfortable with that deception. We, we begin to believe our own lies. And, and God here in his grace uh, allows Isaac's sin to be found out. And, uh, but when it's found out, he's reproached by this pagan king. And uh, that's, a bad, that's a bad thing, isn't it? When the world, who doesn't know God, Abimelech knew something about God, but there's no indication that he was a believer. And, but he's rebuking Isaac, who is the, who is you know the recipient of God's blessing, God's covenant, and uh, Isaac must have been very much rebuked by this, and he was no doubt repentant, and I believe we do see a we do see a repentant Isaac in the following uh, verses, but as you think about what happened here, you realize that. Our conduct must match our creed. <laughs> Let me say it that way. In other words, what we believe, what we proclaim to believe, our creed. Our creed is the Word of God. And if we claim to believe that, our lives should match up to that. Not that we can live out the, the Word of God perfectly, but that should be the pursuit of our lives. That should be the direction of our lives. This, this desire to, to please God and to live for Him and when we fall away from that, when we sin, we should be quick to confess and to turn from that. Let me, let me give you Philippians uh, chapter 1, where Paul admonishes the, the church at Philippi. Uh, this is chapter 1 from verse 27 and 28. He says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened. Uh, what happened there? <laughs> battery goat. Okay. Let him look at that. So he says, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. Well, as I said, this, uh, this was a grace of God that his sin was found out. Because when it was found out, then Isaac could repent 
of what he had done. And he could move on. He could continue in living by faith instead of living a lie. And, and so for us as believers, that, that ought to be a daily experience in our life where we turn in repentance from our sin and turn to God in faith and uh, make sure that there's nothing in our life that we're holding out on, that we're trying to hide, that we're, that we're trying to um, uh, conceal uh, from others or from God, and that our that our that we can have this communion with the Lord and be walking with Him in faith. Let's continue reading from verse twelve. We see here uh, Isaac as as someone who's, I believe, learned and grown from this experience. Uh, verse twelve says, "And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold." The Lord blessed him. And that's a, you could say, an understatement. Um, the Lord blessed him. You think about in a time of famine, uh, to, to reap a hundredfold, uh, that's an incredible blessing the Lord gave him. And uh, as we see, even in this blessing, there's difficulty. Let's continue reading verse 13. And the, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. And he possessed and had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that the father had given, his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of, of uh, spring water, the herdsmen of Gar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And so they called the name of the well Ezek. And these names that he give these wells represent what's happening at the time. And so that word means contention uh, because they contended with him. And in verse 21, uh, Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called its name Sitna, which means enmity. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it, so he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. <clears throat> so you see God's blessing upon Abraham and, uh, and Isaac in such a way that uh, uh, he's... He's become greater than these uh, people that he was living close to there in Gaar. And uh, the people are envious of him. They're struggling, no doubt, with the drought. But Abraham, he's just finding water everywhere. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's, he's digging out wells and 
cleaning out old wells and there's water and and so everywhere he finds water they're they're saying no that's our water you know but eventually god allows him to to find a place where he's there's no quarreling and he has room but as you think about isaac's um reaction to all that it would seem that isaac was really trusting god because isaac wasn't fighting with them uh, he, he just moved on to another place he tried to avoid the conflict and instead of making room for himself he, he says in verse 23 for now the lord has made room for us i think that's a, a great lesson for us in that obviously we're not digging wells normally and fighting over wells but we have all kinds of things that we are trying to get for ourselves aren't we and many times people are competing with us for those things and we're quarreling about this and quarreling about that and we have conflicts over this and conflicts over that and we would do well as believers to give all that to God and just say God I want to be where you want me to be and I want to give my trouble to you I want to obey you in it I want to serve you in it and see what God does See how God handles the situation. It says that God appeared to Isaac a second time. And with reassuring words in reference to the covenant, the, the first time when, when God appeared to him, he said, I will be with you. But now as we read, he'll, he'll say, I am with you. And uh, what a... What a great truth that is. Let's read, continuing in verse 23. From there he went up to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you. And will bless you and will multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. And when Abimelech went to him from Gar with Ahuzath and his advisor and Phicol, the commander of the army, the army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? And they said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be no Sworn, uh, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done you no, nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. <clears throat> Verse 30, so he made them a feast and they ate and drank. And in the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that, that had dug and said, We have found water. And he called it uh, Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Well, the future promises of God or the future, the presence of God that God had committed himself to, has now become the present reality in Isaac's life, so much so that Abimelech 
and the Philistines, they're afraid of Isaac and, and all the, the multitude of people that uh, he's increased in and how God has, has obviously blessed him. He, he now wants to make a treaty with Isaac uh, so, so that there could be no uh, you know, future warring between them. And it had become obvious that God was with Isaac and blessing him. And it's interesting, I believe here, that Isaac, by his obedient faith, had now regained his testimony as someone who followed God, where these people looked to Isaac as someone that God was blessing and God was with. Well, we, as recipients of the new covenant of God's grace, the New Testament, have also the blessing of God's presence with us. But the evidence of God's presence with us is not determined by our material blessings, but by spiritual blessings. Amen? Uh, many times we default to that, don't we? We look at someone's physical blessings and say, boy, God's blessing them. But that's not always the case. We can't, we can't make that determination. We have to look at the spiritual blessings in a person's life, the growth uh, in a person's life, and then we can say God is blessing that person. The, the presence and, and blessing of God is seen as the Spirit of God changes and, and produces His fruit in our life. It, it is seen in the ups and downs of life that we experience. It, it's best seen by the world when we go through the trials of life in obedience and faith in the Lord. And so, as we think about Isaac, let's don't, let's don't leave this thought in the Old Testament. Let's think about it in our own life and how God is with us, the promises that he's made to us. <clears throat> I was reading... Uh, uh, one writer <clears throat> told about a, a young Chinese convert. As he came to faith and was beginning to uh, grow and learn from the scriptures, he was reading in Matthew chapter 28 in verse 20, and he's reading in the, in the King James translation, and uh, this young man's name was Lo. His last name was Lo. And the verse 20 in the King James says, And lo, I am with you always, <laughs> even to the ends of the earth. And what, you know, what excitement that was to this young you know, believer, uh, that God was with him. And obviously he would you know, come to understand that lo is, is just an English, old English expression. Um, but he was still excited because he knew he could put his name there. And so can we. So can we put our names there, that God is with us. He's committed himself to be with us and to bless us. And he has admonished us that we would walk with him in faith, trusting him, obeying him, that he would be able to bless us and grow us and change us into the likeness of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the challenge from your word that we might 
look to you in faith, trusting you uh, through the ups and downs of life, when everything's going well and when everything's not going well. Lord, may we uh, trust you and know that you have committed yourself to us through the work of Christ, that uh, you have saved us and you've called us into yourself. And Lord, I pray that there, there might be someone here this morning that does not know you as their Savior, that you would open their hearts to the truth of your word, that they might know that you have, have sent Christ to die for them in their place, and that without him there is no hope, there is no life, there is no presence with you. And I pray that, they would, uh, that you would work in their heart to bring them to repentance and faith, to trust you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.